Well, along the journey of life, my fellow Americans, we get the privilege and the pleasure of meeting sometimes some of the most unique people. And I really look at it that way through the mission of all of this amazing life where we're gifted, you know. And I think often of the people, and, and I look at these relationships as, as, I don't know about you, but it's it's people we we collect in our lives along the journey of our lives. And they create such a richness of life. You know, you know, there's something I, you just cannot underestimate the power of relationships. You know, where would we be without thy fellow brother, thy fellow sister? Right. I want to welcome you all into a incredibly special broadcast. The life and legacy of Dr. J. Lair. You know, I say those words and they're profound to me. I have to think a moment of what has transpired and where we are right now. As many of you know, Dr. Jay Lear has been involved in America Out Loud early on. He came on uh, about, about just about five years ago when we started doing some work together. Uh, so it was in the first year or two of America Out Loud's existence. And he was became a weekly writer and then was writing two or three times a week. And then began. Then he co-hosted a show with Tom Harris. They launched The Other Side of the Story. And, and he, he became very, very involved in the platform of the network, more so because of the mission. And that really is the attraction of America Out Loud. It's a mission. And people want to be part of that. It's a, it's a magnet to for those who want to right the wrongs, put justice where injustice is. Right. That's what this is all about. The fight of good and evil. You know, Jay and I talked about the fight of good and evil a great deal. We would talk about it a lot off and on mic. Now, a few years back, I will share with you, and some of you may know this. In fact, when we launched The Voice of a Nation, my daily broadcast, the first guest I had on, which was the second episode, because it was just myself in the first one. Was Dr. J. Leo? It's quite a story, actually. And I, I invited him on uh, to have a profound conversation of where we were in our nation at that time. It, 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 in fact, that hour-long interview, is an, it's an incredible piece of work uh, that encapsulated Jay's view of our country, where we were as people, you know, his sense of optimism in our nation, how he felt about it. And we're going to put that back out. I'll put a link to that interview in the post here when this does go from talk radio to podcast here as you listen to this broadcast on America Out Loud Talk Radio. And I encourage you to listen to the full broadcast. It's an incredible piece of work. I'm very proud of it. Now, since that time, I've had Jay on the broadcast countless times, countless times. He was one of my go-to. And it wasn't just, you know, the climate business. It was everything. It was life. It was societal. It was cultural. It was political. It was everything and er everything imaginable and unimaginable <laughs> we could think about and talk about. And so he became a regular here, both on my daily broadcast and on Viewpoint this Sunday, our weekend news magazine, as many of you know. You've heard his voice many times over the years. An incredible voice, you know. So I, I want to start, 
And, and today you're going to meet some very interesting people who've uh, been part of his life in one way, shape, form or another. And you, and his wife, Janet Lair, is here. Excited to have her on here. I've never spoke to her on air. We've spoke off air, but never on air. And today will be the first there. Tom Harris will be here. Uh, and there'll be some other exceptional people that you'll meet. Michael Campbell, Mark uh, Fixeri, uh, John Chamberlain. And I'll tell you more about all of those folks and people that have been part of his life. And, and my golly, there's so many people that have been blessed here that, you know, can you imagine how many hours we'd have to stay on here if we invited everybody on who was uh, alive and had something positive to say about Jay Lair? We we might potentially never get off the air again. <laughs> it's incredible. He was one of those people. He was the gift that kept on giving. And, and he was somebody you met that you just wanted to be part of his life. And he made you feel special. He made you feel uh, like you you were that special person. It, 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 there was something about Jay that he did that very comfortably, very easy, like an old pair of shoes, if you will. You know, he, he that was just him was the nature of him. And Jay was very complimentary. He would compliment you, compliment the good things, but he wasn't afraid to call you out either. He would definitely call you out. And if he disagreed with you, forget about it. And he and I disagreed plenty of times on air. I love that about somebody who's authentic, you know, that you can have on and, you know, just kind of, spar a little bit, you know, about some of the things, because that's really the beauty of America. That's the beauty of the diversity of our nation. It's actually one of the things that I think is wrong with our nation today is we've lost that special touch. We've lost that opportunity to connect with each other and to disagree politely, respectfully, as ladies and gentlemen, always, right? We've lost that touch in our country. It's one of the things Jay and I talked about quite a bit. How do we get back to that point? You know, how do we do that? All right, so I want to start off, and I, I want you all to hear Jay's voice, and I want to play a piece. This was now the excerpts today are some of the fantastic interviews I've done with Jay over time, and and this one uh, that I'm going to start with is on American exceptionalism. Okay, and and follow me now as we as we thread this thing with you because it's going to be interesting. And, and you know, when I say American exceptionalism, one of the things I talked to Jay about in that broadcast, we're coming up on our 250th year. In 2026, it will be the uh, semi-quincentennial, uh, our anniversary year, 250 years in. And some people call it the Sester Centennial or the Quarter Millennial, if you will. But it's the semi-quincentennial. Com uh, there's a commission been put together for this as well. And anyways, so I, wa I want you to hear Jay's voice now. We're going to play this piece on uh, American exceptionalism. And, th and this was really a, a marvelous piece. Uh, uh, listen in here just a moment. What is American exceptionalism and why does America make it past the third century, brother? Well, it's certainly the founding fathers. I mean, if you study uh, the Constitutional Convention, if you study the weeks and months they spent uh, writing the Constitution, you study the fact that these men essentially gave up their wealth and their lives uh, to make America great. Uh, we have a, a founding group of people and a document uh, that set us on a path superior to any other country in the world. Now, many of them said, you know, we've set this government up. We hope you can uh, hold on to it. And as you've so well described, uh, we're, we're losing a lot of the goodness that they set up for us. It is a battle. But I have worked, Malcolm, in 50 different countries of the world, and I have seen different populations, civilizations, and government. And it becomes very obvious 
that we uh, have the best system of government and the best people. Charity is one thing you have not mentioned. We are the most charitable nation in the world. It's, it's just built in, in us to give whatever extra we have to others that are, that are less fortunate. And as I compare what we have to the 50 countries I've worked in, mm -hmm. uh, I recognize our goodness and our superiority. It is challenged. We, they, the founding fathers knew it would be challenged. And as you point out, many civilizations have crumbled. I am very confident that, that's, that while we're, we're into the third century that others have not reached, that we will overcome and that we will uh, come through this and that the, the, the greatest people in this country will recognize the crazies that are trying to drag us down. So as you hear Jay's comments there on American exceptionalism, and you, keep in mind now, this is back at the early part of, uh, of, um, of President Trump's administration, and the, the, the country was very chaotic. Uh, as we'd seen, there were a lot of challenges and problems. And we were talking about the survival of our nation and what it would take for us to push forward at this uh, incredible time. Now, since that time, of course, a lot's transpired. Uh, that we talked about thereafter and with the new presidency and with what had taken place after Trump. And these are things that uh, Jay and I would talk about all the time here. Let me bring on the broadcast now, Tom Harris, and welcome him on. Now, Tom Harris is uh, the uh, was Jay's co-host. And more than that, uh, they work together at the International Climate Science Coalition. This was after the Heartland Institute. Jay was a part of the uh, Heartland Institute, was a science director there for many years, and then became the senior policy analyst uh, with uh, Tom Harris at the International Climate Science Coalition. So you you hear Jay's voice that you hear about American exceptionalism. You you and I remember you probably heard that piece because it was that show we did that uh, tied in. Remember Dr. Tim Ball? Remember the letter he wrote to the? Uh, for, there's a whole backstory to this if folks want to hear that uh, story. But uh, give me your thoughts on hearing Jay's voice there about American exceptionalism and his sense of optimism. Well, I've always been a very, very strong supporter of the United States because even as a Canadian, I followed NASA and those were my heroes, that's for sure. And, you know, one statistic that I think is pretty revealing, and that is that since World War II, the United States has given more money in pure aid than all countries in the history of the world combined. And, you know, we used to holiday in Maine, actually, on Mount Desert Island near Bar Harbor. And, uh, you know, I always had such a positive view of the United States. And Jay really just epitomized how great the United States was in sports and science and so many things. And, you know, it's interesting because with most jobs, when I wanted to do my workout, you know, my boss would be kind of, oh, well, you know, he's got to do his workout. It's noon. He's going up with Jay. If I missed my workout, <laughs> there was something wrong, you know. So, I mean, he and I were athletic fanatics. So he understood totally why I wanted to take a break and go do weights. And, of course, I worked better after that, just like he did. One other quick thing I just, just tell you is sort of fun is uh, Jay would call me some days and he'd say, well, you know, I'm a bit tired today, so I only biked 30 miles with Janet. <laughs> 30 yeah. miles? And, of course, he'd swim for an hour at a time, two hours sometimes. So, I mean, it was a great combination, he and I, because of our, you know, 
athleticism and the fact that we always made time for that. We always made time for our workouts. And I think we were more effective as a consequence. Yeah. Well, as you know, a healthy body, a healthy mind, Tom, and Jay knew the importance of that very clean lifestyle. It's something I talk to listeners about all the time, as you know, is our lifestyle. We've got to take care of these bodies. We've got to take care of ourselves. Jay did that in extraordinary ways, as you say. And uh, we've talked many times over the years about the health. In fact, he wrote the book. Remember that book he wrote about fit at 50 or something? What was that? Fit, firm, and, fit, firm, and 50. <laughs> yeah, fit, firm, and 50, right? And 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 it, what he probably forgot to add to that is in fabulous, right? <laughs> fit, firm, 50, and fabulous. That'd be the follow-up to that. But, uh... but the fun thing was Jay never had ulterior motives. He was always upfront about everything. And, of course, that got him into trouble with people who were – conniving and scheming because he didn't play their game he just told the truth and so when jay told me he liked what i wrote in an article mm -hmm. i knew he really liked what i wrote when he told me he disagreed i knew he disagreed and you know we never had an argument because everything was right out front yeah yeah that, that's a really marvelous point you just brought up tom and uh, in my world i call that the out loud truth one of the reasons jay and i were so synergistic was because of that out loud truth. I'm the same way. I was the kind of cat when I worked in the corporate boardrooms uh, on that side of the program, Tom. You wouldn't invite me into a committee or a boardroom if you didn't want the truth. You know, I'm, I'm like Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you wanted a sugarcoat and you wanted somebody to lie, you came to the wrong place. It wasn't going to happen. And that's kind of what Jay and I got along well with is that you don't see that a lot today, though, do you, brother? No, you don't. And, you know, I'm just really missing him so much because he added that spark of enthusiasm as well. I mean, a lot of PhDs, yeah. you know, they tend to be academic and they're very careful in what they say. Jay was right in what he said. I mean, there's no problem there. But the thing is, he was like, in some ways, he was childlike. You know, he, he held this wonder about the world. You know, everything was wonderful and he was going to make it even more wonderful. And he certainly did. Yeah, yeah, he sure did. Yeah. Now, tell me something. When he left Heartland and you had this opportunity, I, I definitely wanted to get your sense of this. And you had the opportunity to bring him there. Now, that and we were already working together here. Uh, and Jay was already on America Law when all that happened. But I got to think, Tom, I'm just thinking of you now. You had to be, uh, I'm guessing now, you tell me, but you had to be like a kid in a candy shop to think you could, you could, oh, you had to be, you had to be. The fact that you could have got Jay Lear on the team there and then boasted about that, I mean, that had to be equivalent to winning the, the, the lottery or the Olympics. Oh, yeah, I was thrilled. And I had co-authored articles occasionally with Jay when he was science director. So it was, oh, it's just like putting on a glove that fits you just perfectly. You know, we just transitioned over and he came on board and we then started writing, of course, every single week and doing interviews and all that. And, and you know, his work ethic was unbelievable. I mean, he now has people arrange for the other side of the story into April. <laughs> I just have to follow his template, you know, like it's really pretty wonderful. And so far all the guests are agreeing to stay on, you know, all I have to do is say, well, Jay would want us to continue. Will you be on the show still? And they're all saying, sure. So, I mean, Jay obviously, you know, had great rapport with a lot of people and that's where we're benefiting even now. Yeah, yeah. He had the show booked months ahead of time. Uh, we're speaking of the other side of the story, friends, the the uh, talk show 
on America Out Loud that uh, Tom Harris and Dr. Jay Lear um, hosted. And, and Tom will continue on with that legacy. And they also co-authored uh, weekly um, contributions and pieces that set up the shows. Uh, but I guess, Tom, that's one of the things that Jay brought to the party of life. Um, and it's I, I guess there's so many things I see now with him. You know, the relationship factor, uh, you know, bringing guests into the show, as you say, but his connectivity and relationship with people. It's one of the amazing things, Tom, in full confession to you of why I love America Out Loud and the people here. It's because of the relationships, the people. It becomes a big family. That's something that Jay really understood so well and embraces people, always putting people first, being respectful of that. I, I just think it's a lost art today. And Jay had that down pat. I mean, he made you feel good, didn't he? Well, that's right. And he also was a Renaissance man. And he was actually either expert or semi-expert in so many fields that he could easily fit into any conversation and talk about virtually anything. You know, I mean, so many PhDs, they end up, you know, very narrow and, and cloistered in their little environment, but not him. In fact, I don't think the average person meeting him on the bus would even suspect that he had a PhD because he didn't seem to have the associated arrogance that, you know, a lot of people have. I mean, I have a relative, for example, <clears throat> whose wife used to always sign our Christmas cards, Dr. So-and-so. <laughs> and so, you know, it sort of rubs in that there's a PhD there. But, you know, it's, uh, no, that didn't happen with Jay at all. Yeah, no, I mean, you got to always have your ego checked at the door. I mean, if you're going to play with big people and, uh, uh, people that are trying to make a difference in the world, I would say. Uh, and, and Jay did that super, super well. Uh, Tom, you stay there. We're going to move the program along, though. But I want to come back later and talk to you about, I know you have some interesting things where Jay used to always talk about Albert Einstein. And I want to come back to Einstein a little bit later, okay? Right? Sure, and, uh, sure. you know, I, met, I mentioned to someone the other day that uh, Jay had actually met El Albert Einstein and they said, how old was Jay? <laughs> People would forget Einstein didn't that far that back, is he? Was he, Tom? You know, right? Well, I think Jay was a freshman at the time. And yeah. I'll just be really quickly. They would walk past each other on the same street on the yeah. way to Princeton. And Jay never actually spoke to Einstein, but they eventually got to recognize each other. And they had what Jay called a nodding acquaintance. <laughs> so, and, you know, uh -huh. so Albert Einstein died in 1955. So yeah. Jay must have been a freshman. And uh, he yeah. was there with the great man, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I love it. And Jay would always, uh, he would light up when he talked about that. And Einstein, uh, but I've got some other Einstein things we'll talk about a little bit later. We'll get back, uh, Tom, in a moment here. I want to bring on the broadcast now a, a gentleman, uh, John Chamberlain, uh, joins us here. And, uh, and, and, you know, John, uh, this is going to be good because, uh, you know, I'll tell you, you wrote just a, a magnificent, um, a poem, a, a tribute, which we'll talk about in a moment here, um, that I, I just thought really, uh, the, and I'm speaking about We Miss You Instantly, this particular piece. We're going to, I'm going to have you do a live read on that in just a little bit. But John, tell us first off, uh, your relationship with Jay and uh, give us, give us just a little bit of background, please. Sure. Th thanks so much, Malcolm. Uh, Jay and I met in 1977 uh, when I was just a freshman, uh, you know, he he graduated from Princeton the year I was born. Uh, 
So we were a little bit apart in age, uh, but he took me instantly under his wing and uh, was always so enthusiastic. Uh, of course, we shared the Princeton connection, uh, uh, but we also learned uh, that we both had this thirst for cycling. Uh, Jay was an incredible triathlete, completing 10 Ironman triathlons. And uh, so, you know, we had this amazing connection through cycling as well. Yeah. Why, with Jay, what, why do you think when you said he took me under his wing, I'm thinking about how many people he's done that with over his lifetime. Why do you think Jay did that? You know, I think it really came naturally to him, Malcolm. Uh, th this was a person who who just was fascinated by everyone and he couldn't contain it. It was just, you know, if you were around Jay, uh, he was always learning, learning about you. He wanted to know about the things you were interested in. Uh, and I think that's what spawned us working together on, on a business uh, that I had had this idea uh, that centered around shipping bicycles on airplanes. Uh, and he became fascinated with it. And and at one point he gave me my first $500 investment, uh, you know, which I very carefully curated and used to, to develop prototypes. Uh, but it was just, that's the kind of guy he was. He, he would come to where you were um, and then, and then celebrate that. You know, he ran with bulky headphones and a full size cassette player strapped to his back when, when nobody was doing this, he was, he was already inventing the Stony Walkman. He played hockey every Friday night at midnight with a group uh, of folks his age. Uh, you know, he did a record-breaking number of of months in a row of skydives. He just yeah, he has the record of that. He has the record thirty some odd years. Well, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. incredible. And and you know, the other thing I, I got to get out there, John, make sure we'll talk about this again, but. Uh, the triathlons, uh, the Ironman, the Ironman. I mean, yeah. the, I mean, you talk about being the envy of this kind of thing. I mean, and he didn't just do one or two. He did how many? What, what, 10 or so? Was it? Yeah, he did 10. And, and, you know, he, he found out about my thirst and, and, and passion for cycling. And so he said, would you train uh, some local people who have signed up for the Hawaiian Ironman? And would you focus on the cycling part? I can help them with the running and the swimming, he said, but but that's an area where we could really use some help. And, you know, it was just his style to celebrate somebody else. He brought me in as kind of the expert. Uh, and I have to say, all seven of those people finished the Ironman. So it was, it was just a terrific thing to be involved with him. Uh, I want to play a little clip, John, I want you to comment on. This is Jay again. I think it's uh, not too long, maybe a minute or so. Uh, let's see here. Um, and uh, yeah, the, okay, yeah, it says less than a minute here. But it, but it's it's interesting. This is on Alexia de Tocqueville, one of my favorites, actually, who I use a lot of uh, de Tocqueville's qu uh, quotes in my talks and what have you. And Jay and I were talking about him on a program, but um, it, it, and uh, but anyways, let, let's listen to Dr. Jay Lear here on uh, uh, Tocqueville. Here we go. Americans are so enamored of equality, they would rather be equal in slavery than unequal in freedom. Amazing quote. Amazing quote. My friend, that is the most brilliant thing, I think. And de Tocqueville said a lot of brilliant things, uh, Jay. And that's exactly, you know, the, you, you mentioned socialism and you mentioned the education system. 
they are the biggest problems. I mean, the, the liberals, the progressives, the anti-capitalists have taken over our public education and our colleges. That really is America's biggest problem. And we need to figure out how to re-educate people who grew up thinking that socialism is okay, when in fact it has failed everywhere. It has caused millions of deaths. It's produced tyranny. And yet yeah. our younger people don't understand that. John, talk about that piece as far as uh, Jay talked a lot about socialism. He talked a lot about re-educating people, the school system. You, of course, have the connection of Princeton with him. Uh, you talk about that a little bit in Totofa, but this re-education of society that he seemed to understand. And what are your thoughts on that? And what would it take to do what Jay suggests in that clip? But, you know, Jay was quite a scholar, and uh, this had a really profound influence on me. Uh, while I was at Princeton, um, you know, he helped to guide me uh, toward doing my senior thesis on the Clinch River Breeder Reactor Project, uh, you know, which was a was a futuristic uh, opportunity for nuclear energy. And I uh, became uh, inspired with with his guidance. Uh, I I. You know, re really dug deep and uh, and got involved in that. Um, but I think he he portrayed uh, a life of learning himself. He he embodied that, and he portrayed that as a strength of resilient humans. Uh, and I th I think you know that's something that we can all take stock in today during these stressful times, so full of change and challenges, is to never stop learning. Uh, and as as knowledge accelerates, you know, we absolutely have to continue to learn or be left behind. Yeah. And and Jay was always a leader because of that. He was a thought leader um, and a, a great leader of people. OK. All right. John, what I'd like to do is this then here uh, as we um, uh, just as we go to pause here a moment in our break, uh, I'm going to ask you to do, would you be good to do a live reading of this magnificent uh, poem you wrote? Uh, uh, I'm speaking of We Miss You Instantly. Sure. Uh, would, you, would you do that? And then we'll, we'll go to break. Go ahead, please. Dear Dr. J. Lair, we miss you instantly. Taken from us as though you had just walked out of your office forever. This raw and stark departure stands in contrast to your brilliant life and career. God knew you better than most and guided your charmed scientific insights and inspiring speeches. Yet you were humble beyond comprehension. People just loved you. Unless, of course, they sought to give you advice about human-induced climate change. And then, of course, you politely set the record straight with a mountain of irrefutable evidence. Thank you very much. We loved your athletic feats as much as we loved you. You lived in the soul of a talented circus performer, unicycling, walking on your hands, skydiving, and completing 10 Ironmans. And you presented your ideas with a refreshingly accessible scholarship. You were always down to earth for us. Your amazing achievements were never about you. You blazed a trail of genius discoveries. Princeton, Arizona, National Groundwater, Heartland, the Institute. They knew you well for your passion for learning. By synthesizing exhaustive research with a quick wit and extraordinary use of language, 
you described for the rest of us what only you understood. You inspired so many to pursue their own dreams. Your mission to understand the reality of our global climate creates a new paradigm for humankind. Your vision will be widely recognized and appreciated one day. You were not afraid to dream big. Your dreams came true. You saw things from a new point of view that enabled each of us to catch our breath, to pause and look at life anew. Your insatiable curiosity about people and the world led you to always learn more. It stretched your mind beyond a common dimension through demanding work, always with the poise to serve others. You brought about in each of us a newfound sense of worth, of competence, and nerve. For this, we are deeply grateful and stand in awe of your life lived fully and bravely for all to see, lighted by your torch, by the way you were free. Carrying on feels impossible at this moment, yet you informed and inspired us in ways that will make it possible for us to move forward, to weave your spirit into our lives. This is because you lifted us like this each precious day, because you heaved a sigh and carried on yourself. No project was too demanding or too grand that it could not in some disciplined way be assembled in its parts day by day to become a prodigious result. This was your hallmark. Not just the greatest ideas carefully drafted into a speech script or scholarly report, but the cleverest planning and deliberate plotting determination that you exemplified each day. These traits you imbued in us that equip us now to carry on. Our lives are changed forever by your torch so that we might see the future as you brilliantly did, lighted by the way you were free. It was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that said, lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing, leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Cold and flu season is here. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to minimize airborne viral threats? Well, now there is, and it's a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray called Cofix RX. You might even say it's just what the doctor ordered. To reduce your chance of getting hurt, you wear a safety belt when you're driving. To limit sun damage, you wear sunscreen on the beach. Cofix RX is just like that. It's an additional layer of protection. It's sold by thousands of pharmacists and medical doctors nationwide. It's made right here in the USA. Again, it's a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray. You've heard them talk about it here on the Outloud Network over and over again. Check out cofixrx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off at cofixrx.com. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. 
yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. It blew me away, but I was inspired, if that makes sense, Jay, as well. It, it totally makes sense, and, but it, it really happens more often than you think that a negative thing leads to a positive. There's a, yeah. uh, an yeah. expression often in religion. Yeah. When one door uh, closes, another door uh, opens, or, sure. or at a child level, you know, turn lemons into lemonade. And, and I know uh, I, I, most people can try to do that. Take a negative and, and see if you can turn it into a positive or see. Well, Jay, that's the definition of success, Jay. I don't know any successful people who have not, you know, uh, faced difficulties, who have not been fired in a job before they, uh, you know, got a better job. But you're absolutely right. It's climbing out of. Uh, uh, problems is, is absolutely what leads to success. And that uh, was the voice of Dr. J. Lear, friends. Uh, welcome back here uh, to a special edition of Viewpoint, uh, the life and legacy of Dr. J. Lear. Uh, what what a, a giant, really, among giants. And, you know, it, it was really such a privilege to participate and be part of Jay's life. And I think of that often because, you know, had I just met him now or just prior to his uh, death, we would have missed all those years of opportunities. It's it's interesting how life is sometimes, you know. There's always a point and a place, isn't it, to all these things. Uh, luckily, I met him at, at his best, and he had such uh, serious contributions here to America Out Loud. Uh, where his legacy will will proudly be here with his writings and his, sh his shows. And that's the other cool thing about our business is you'll you'll always be able to hear a Dr. Jay Lear. He's on he's on uh, uh, many 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 podcasts. Uh, his whole library of work. If you just go up to the menu bar at americaoutloud.com, go to the other side of the story, and you'll find a whole litany of things there. Or just search by Dr. Jay Lear, and you'll hear a lot of interviews I've done with him over the years as well. Um, so let's continue on here uh, with the broadcast. And uh, I'd like to bring on a gentleman now who um, this was, uh, Jay was his professor. So he was a student of Jay's uh, and at Ohio State. Uh, Michael Campbell joins us and uh, uh, in at Ohio State University. Uh, and this was, uh, I think it was nuclear power. You were, uh, uh, tell us about that, uh, 
uh, Michael, your um, your role, uh, your uh, how Jay was. Give us a little sense and a feeling of that because you have a unique perspective. Yeah, sure, Malcolm. Be glad to. Uh, yes, uh, the rumor is true. I spent a lot of time with Jay Lair in the mid '60s. Um, as a student, undergraduate student uh, at Ohio State in the geology department, I took all of uh, Jay's hydrogeology and water resources and early environmental courses that he gave. Um, he, he was an odd duck at Ohio State. Um, there was a lot of older professors, I remember, and he was one of the youngest. And <laughs> they, they didn't quite know how to react to him. Uh, he was so full of life. So full of ideas that um, um, I remember him grumbling, to, only on occasion grumbling to me about how they just don't think uh, that uh, uh, his ideas uh, match with theirs. And I said, Jay, you know as well as I do that uh, uh, you're, you're the new wave. And uh, it was certainly true. And that was back in the 60s, you say? This was in the 60s. And, and, mind you, and you I, called him the new wave, you said. That was back I then, right? <laughs> I certainly did. It was perfectly obvious to everybody. Uh, and, and, and primarily because of his confidence, his confidence and, and his ability to speak. He, he was a, a great teacher, I, I got to say. Uh, and and more than that, he was a great, he, he was a great uh, not only speech, uh, speaker, but great teacher as well. Mm -hmm. uh, he asked me one day after a few weeks into the course, into the first hydrogeology course, that uh, if I'd like to be his undergraduate research as assistant. And I, I, of course, jumped at the opportunity because uh, I liked I liked the way he <laughs> he handled himself. And so we spent many hours working on his groundwater models, putting them together with glue and 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 plexiglass and what have you to demonstrate what he talked about in his early career in groundwater flow and related issues to groundwater and water well technology. Yeah. Michael, <laughs> but, with all the things that Jay has uh, brought to the game of life here, uh, looking back now and just taking a look at Jay's life, and you've known him for a lot of years, what's, um, what's the biggest thing? What's the biggest thing that we're all going to miss about Dr. Jay Lear? What is it? I think that's pretty simple, actually. Uh, he imparts confidence in people. Mm. Uh, he did in me when we did the first book together uh, for McGraw-Hill, the Water Road Technology book. Um, uh, he, we'd spend hours together talking about various issues uh, related to that. And uh, I saw him do that with about any about anybody around him uh, mm -hmm. uh, who, who had a, uh, any sort of business to do with him. Mm -hmm. And and so I think that's, that's the best way to describe yeah. it. He, yeah. he imparted confidence in people. And I don't know how he did it. Right. Except his own confidence is was was definitely uh, well. It, it sort of got to other people as well. Yeah, no, you hit a good nerve there. I'm I'm so pleased you said that about the confidence because you you hit on something that's really really important, very big. In fact, you know, I was thinking, Michael, coming on the program today and what have you, as I was doing this life and legacy of Dr. J. Lear, and you know, I regretfully was doing this today because I really didn't want to have this program. I would prefer Jay to still be with us. And uh, so, really, I was resentful fact that I had to, you know, I, I mean, I, I hold him in the, the highest esteem. But, you know, I was thinking coming on here today, and I'm, I'm saying to myself, you know, it's like I was almost having an argument with Jay 
And Jay would be saying to me right now, oh, come on, Malcolm, everything's fine. I'm here. Don't worry about it. I mean, what's that? I mean, he had that confidence, but he also was very persistent, Michael. You know what I mean? Very persistent. You Could you not see him or hear him arguing with me right now, as we did many times? You say, what do you mean? I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Let's go, man. Everything's good. Yeah, right? Am I right or wrong? Oh, clearly, clearly. Uh, he and I had many arguments uh, from, well, let's see, uh, maybe 20, maybe 20 years, starting 20 years ago about the climate issues and and we still argue about it and 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 in the radio program that i did with tom and jay just a few weeks ago or a few months ago uh jay responded when the subject came up and he says well that's that's for another day he always was able to, to, to <laughs> that's for another day on my way. yeah to dodge arguments in a very pleasant yeah. and human yeah. way without uh, yeah. well that's him being a gentleman right there isn't it you know Absolutely. That's a, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. well that's for another day let's have the we did that plenty of times those other days but uh, wow yeah. all right I uh, stay there Michael and let me move along here I want to bring on somebody else here a moment here and um this uh, uh Mark Fixuri joins us here and uh, and Mark, you you tell us about your relationship with Jay. And I mean, and I've got several reference points here from Janet about it. But we, we you know, I'm anxious. I we haven't spoke before, but give us a sense of your uh, relationship and your thoughts on Jay, please. I met Jay about well, almost exactly 40 years ago, and uh, and I'll have to um, you'll have to forgive me. I'm I didn't expect to be. For this to be as emotional for me as it is uh, hearing about Jay, hearing his voice, um, he had a huge impact on on me and my family. We met playing hockey, and we would always go have a beer after we played hockey mm-hmm. and uh, philosophize ab- about life. I was a very early in dental school and just started dating my wife who was in our dental class, and he wanted to know everything about dentistry that I was learning. And we would sit there, and he he just had this eagerness and fascination with with what I was learning. And that and that was that went a long way uh, with, with uh, throughout our whole. We have seven children, and Jay is I, I keep saying as interesting as Jay was. The 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 kind of unique thing about quality he had is, and he has a relationship with each one of my kids because. He's not just interesting, but he's interested. And we have, you know, a seminarian. Our, uh, we have a dentist, a seminarian, uh, who's a Presbyterian pastor, a hospice chaplain, as well as the lead guitarist in a reggae band. And, and Jay was as fascinated in the reggae music with when he would talk to Cole as he was in, you know, what Tanner was doing as, as a hospice chaplain. You know, I, I sort of echo what you guys we're talking about in that, um, you know, you meet people who fascinate you and, and, and you feel good about them. But anytime you spent with Jay, you walked away feeling good about you. And he just had such a unique mm. quality yeah. that and you add his enthusiasm for life and his optimism. And he had a great sense of humor. If, if you haven't seen his, his trip to to San Francisco fertilizer video, you should YouTube it because it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, uh, his love and adoration for Janet. Uh, he he, I can't say enough about. It. He was such a model 
in how he adored her and and, and lived um, that part of his personal life as well. Yeah. You know, Jay was not a particularly good hockey player. Um, and, and I had played at a high level of hockey and he was more enthusiastic about playing because all he would do is talk about how much better he was getting. So no matter what he did and, and you know, I always felt like I needed that, you know, I needed his, his, his vision of the world. Um, cause even when he, he broke his ankle playing hockey, he came back and said it was the best thing that ever happened to him because he had yeah, more upper yeah. body strength and he developed this this ankle guard now and he could block more shots. He was fearless on the ice. Mark, he was a glass half full guy if there ever was one. I mean, my golly, you know. He he was the self-proclaimed happiest man in the world and every yeah. day was the greatest day of his life. Yeah, there are times I wanted to uh, strangle him on air, you know, on talk radio <laughs> because of his, you know, I wanted to, Jay, knock it off. It isn't, I mean, he would just find something good to say about it. Um, all right, stay close by there. You've made a great segue and I want to bring Janet later on now. And then I, I want, I, we'll get back. I want to, get, while Janet's on, I want to talk about that speech you had at Madison's wedding. Uh, Janet referenced that and <laughs> thought that was, yeah. So hold that thought there. But let's bring Janet Lair on now. And um, so Janet, I believe, is it, was it, correct me on this and I, I could be wrong in the number. Was it 31 years you were married or knew each other? What was the number, Janet? Yes, it was 31 going on 32 in March. 30, okay, 30, so it was 31 going on 32. All right, all right. bring us back now. Let's go back to uh, when you guys dated. I just want to get a sense of that moment. Uh, you know, you, obviously you're in a whole different world. There, now, there was a difference between your ages, uh, very clearly, between you and Jay. We, and But give us a sense of uh, what that was like, da Corton and Dayton, uh, a Dr. Jay Lear, what that was like. And and, uh, and also, you gotta, uh, how did he propose to you? Tell us that. Well, it's funny you say that about courting, because, you know, being 18 years younger, I didn't have any clue. I just figured he meant dating. And little do I know, two weeks into our dating or courting, as he called it, um, he said, well, when we're married, we'll do this or that. And I'm, I look at him and said, what do you mean we're married? <laughs> and he said, well, I told you I wanted to court you. <laughs> so I kind of pointed at the floor and he got down there and uh, proposed to me at that point in our kitchen. And it's been it's been a, a great ride ever since. You know, as I say, a ride literally because he bought me a brand new bike three days after our first date. Yeah. So it, it was a Schwinn bike, a Schwinn bike, right? A Schwinn. It it was. I still have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You still have the bike. That's that's. Uh, it's going to be a museum oh. relic. You know that. Yep. Uh, yes, <laughs> it's my training bike in the basement. <laughs> yeah. Now, over the years, Jay being so athletic as he was, uh, and how did that test you? Because now I I have images of you doing the bike riding with him and this and that, but you you had to have a hard time keeping up with him or not. Well, I guess I did it first um, because, you know, I, I wasn't a, you know, endurance athlete as he was. He just did his last Ironman in 1989, and this was 91. So after he bought me my bike, I loved it so much. After 10 bike rides, I rode 100 miles with him. So I think he, he met his match with me because I loved everything we did together. I mean, that is. And it was just amazing, amazing life. <laughs> It's a life fulfilled and all the things you did with Jay. Um, Janet, um, 
This whole moment became so unexpected. Obviously, you know, let me just talk to you one on one here because you you really can't prepare for this kind of a life change. It's it's so dramatic and it's so instant. You know, and I, I was thinking about that coming on today, Janet, seriously. And I was thinking about, you know, we're here one moment. And, and this is a lesson for everybody listening, because we're here one moment and then we're not. And life is so delicate like that. And and listeners know what I'm talking about because I talk to them all the time about this. I taught them about being blessed. I talk about appreciating our lives and where we're at. And and you know, and other people in our lives respecting other people because you know you just never know in life. This was a moment you did not plan at this time. In fact, Jay had said to you, and I, and I do want to ask you, he had said to you, he was going to live, what was it? 116 or something. You said, what's it? He said, he said at least 112. 112. I <laughs> had it I off a few years. It. <laughs> you, you wanted to hold him to it, right? Right. <laughs> yes. So he, he was going to live to 112 and he really believed that, didn't he, Janet? He did. And he was so healthy until he got COVID a couple of years ago that, I really thought he would make it. Now, now touch on that a minute. Did that? Now, hold on a minute here. When he, had, I want to understand something because I didn't know that. I mean, I know he had COVID. I know all of that. But are you saying that you? It, this is important. Are you saying that that took something out of him that he never regained that piece of him? I'm just, I'm just asking. Well, he got AFib after getting COVID, and he never had even had a medical doctor. He only had orthopedic surgeons. He called carpenters. So. So um, he was healthy as could be. We biked, you know, every day together. Uh, we traveled around the world. He just was a dynamo, as you all have said. And I, it definitely was totally unexpected, even though he had just had back surgery. He was recovering well. Do, do you do you um, think, I mean, I know you don't really know this, but you, you don't think COVID had anything to do with this, do you? I mean, I don't at this juncture but i mean i know that his his health was perfect until he had covid and he was in the hospital for two weeks and then all of a sudden he's taking all sorts of drugs and he didn't even take one single prescription drug before that i i i, I pause with that and i ask you janet because a lot of listeners can relate to this it, and my point is that covid has changed so many lives you know you know and not for the better uh, I don't know anybody who would say yes. to me, yeah, I had COVID and I, I'm so good for it, you know. <laughs> um, but Jay always had that positive attitude. That right. He with, you know? I mean, you, you couldn't keep him down no matter what. Yeah, I what. don't think he, that was a positive. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Not at all. But he never no, complained. But even when he thought he was dying of COVID. Mm-hmm. No, no, he didn't. Even when he thought he was dying of COVID, he said, I've had the best life possible. But he still pulled through at that time. And um, mm. he was so grateful. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. And and I know listeners, you know, you know where I'm at. I mean, you know that what I went through in my own life with my own wife, Janet, as you know, the story, uh, it's a very personal story when we come that close to uh, life and death, you know, people have been impacted in big ways. Yes. Um, well, let me let me do this. I want to lighten the mood up slightly. We've got still uh, I've got Mark, uh, sorry, still here live with us here. And I want to ask you about so let's let's uh, Janet, while you're here, Mark's here. Let's talk about take a couple of minutes to talk about uh, have just about a minute or so on this. But that incredible speech at Madison's wedding. Tell us about it, Mark. With seven children, only one daughter of the seven to uh, it, it's such an emotional time. And God bless Jay Lair. He he just always 
you know, going back to the talking about that talk, mm-hmm. you know, he would say it's I told the funniest jokes he'd ever heard. It was the best father of the bride speech he'd ever heard. It's the same thing about when he he would tell you I was the best hockey player. I'm the best dentist. Jay, it, you know, when I think of that talk in this context, it just takes me to, you know, I just if I were anywhere near as good at anything as Jay Lair said I was, uh, it would be quite a quite a blessing. Amen. Amen to that, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for sharing there. Janet, uh, as we um, begin to wrap up here in the life of legacy of Dr. Jay Lear, give us a sense, please, of what people should remember uh, about Jay and maybe something we haven't shared here today. Could you take a moment and do that, please? Well, for me, I think just listening to all of his friends here today, it reminds me to live more as Jay did, you know, to, to every conversation, to really pay attention and learn from each person that you talk to and to encourage them in their goals. I mean, Jay, Jay was never the one that said, Oh, tie your lasso a star or whatever that is. He would always say, you know, every day work towards it. Don't expect it overnight. You know, he wasn't that type of person. He was just hard working. And that's what I want to continue my life to be. So I am honoring him for all the rest of the days of my life without him, because he will be so very much missed. And I hope, I hope all your listeners remember that, you know, live each day of the fullest and respect those around you and give them the love that you feel. Thank you, Janet. Thank you. Well, as you hear, uh, Janet Lee there, um, I, uh, it just got just total goosebumps uh, all over my body myself, uh, frankly. Um, you know, live the best life we can. That's what Jay stood for, to be sure. You know, along the journey in the years I've worked with Jay here at the network, it was a high privilege for me to work with Dr. Jay Lear. There's no question about it. I, he was a dear, dear friend. Uh, I became very close to him and just appreciated his wisdom, his thoughtfulness, friendship. Um, as I say to you often out there, friends, I really, it's one of the blessings, the the singular blessing I actually have from America Out Loud is the relationships. I, I can't put it in any other context. I'm so blessed to be able to play in God's paradise with such amazing people. Uh, it's truly the gift of a lifetime. This networking platform continues to uh, to bless uh me in that way personally you know it's a lot of work i won't kid you there but it's surely fulfilling um and when you're playing in the sandbox of life with people like that it makes it all that much more special you know what i mean you know but along the journey i want to tell you something there were a couple three occasions jay would say to me and i think janet knows this because we touched on and she heard him say this i know she is because Jay was an open book. He just, it just threw it out there. It's just, I mean, I totally get it. And we, we had a lot in common in that way, the out loud truth. And always says, ladies and gentlemen, but being respectfully truthful and open and honest. And he would say to me, Malcolm, I can't thank you enough. I can't thank you enough for giving me a jump in my career at this point in my life. I mean, this is the highlight of my career, being on America Out Loud and doing the radio show and, and do, doing the articles with you and, you know, fighting this fight, good and evil. Amazing. You know, he was thanking me. 
And yet all the time along, I was thanking him. But he felt it was the honor of his life to be doing this radio show at this point of his career that it gave him a thirst and a burst of energy. And he felt something exhilarating about that. And, you know, it was it's just something truly special about it. And he, he, he said it several times to me over those years. I heard that in my ear. And I, and I thought to myself, this, this guy's crazy. He's thanking me. He's the guy who's coming to the party, who's bringing the riches of this. And he's thanking me for bringing that to him. So for that, I am eternally grateful. But as you heard some of the people on here today, Jay had a gift for that. He had a gift for that. He'd make you feel special. He'd, he'd make you he'd go out of his way, you see? You know, that, that was said on the program here today. And that's exactly the takeaway from Dr. Jay Lear. He brought that to life. You know, the other thing I, I do want to say, and I know Janet can hear me in the back, you know, and I, I prayed the other day about this. I was so, I, I thought about this and I, I, it does need to be said. I was prayerful and thankful that our friend Jay did not suffer some long, ill event at the end of his life. And I th thought about that too, that it wasn't some serious bout of life ending cancer where people suffer and struggle and go through just some of the worst times of their life as some people have experienced. And, you know, and I, and I was thankful that, you know, and, and if, I guess if it had to be that way, that was probably the way, you know, that it had to be, you know what I mean? Here today and gone tomorrow. But the energy of Dr. Jay Lear will live on, friends, always. Our energy doesn't go away. It stays here. I'm telling you now, and I've read up on this a lot. I'm fascinated with this topic because that's the one thing I have, a contribution of life is energy. If there's anything I bring to the game of life, it's, it's probably that singular thing, energy. And, uh, you know, the, phys the, the physics of death and what happens to your energy when you die, when we die, our energy doesn't die with us. It stays. And, and, and that's a fact. And the more you read on this, it's interesting with our human bodies and the ecosystems of what they are and that our energy goes on into the universe of universes. Always that is the key. Friends, thank you for joining me on this mission here. Of the life and legacy of Dr. Jay Lear. Tell some people today about Dr. Jay Lear and that you heard the program here today. His writings will be alive and well. You go to America Out Loud, you'll see the menu bar. He's right there, Dr. Jay Lear. And you'll see uh, his shows on the other side of the story there as well. I'll leave you with these final words from Edgar Allan Poe. The boundaries which divide life from death are at best shadowy and vague. Who shall say where the one ends and where the other begins? Thank you for being on the mission. It's time to get involved and get loud, America.